listening to Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton and Katie Van Horn. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Inclusive AF podcast. I'm Katie Van Horn. And I'm Jackie Clayton. I am so glad to be here. What are we talking about, Katie? Uh, We're talking about Sunday morning and what music we listen to on Sunday morning. (laughs) So Jackie has a song she was playing on the way into the, the studio. I was playing like a very calm, <laughs> chill mix. And I don't think I, we were quite aligned on the music right no, up I was from the get-go. Daisy and Kanye. <laughs> there's, yeah. just no, there's just no getting back after that. So, I mean, I had to, so we just had to do a little dance party Sunday just to get us both into the groove. Um, we're ready now. So that's ready. good. That's a good thing. That is good. <laughs> so let's talk about kind of the aftermath, the aftermath of the election. We are now, um, you know. It's official official now. Maybe. <laughs> we're 98% now. sure that Joe Biden will be our next president. Um, But stranger things have happened. You know, it is what it is. It's we shall see if anything comes of these um, different lawsuits happening around the country. Um, We did just record um, earlier on Friday. So this is Sunday on Friday. We did record with Sal Bretz and we're going to actually fast forward his editing so that we can get him up quicker. Um, But Jackie, what I wanted to talk about today is around kind of how is everyone doing post-election? And, you know, I think we're all hearing things around, oh, we need to unite, we need to forgive, we need to, all of these things. From from your face, which some of you who are just listening (laughs) can't see. Jackie's face is incredulous, I think is the right word. (laughs) So every time I see, okay, so everybody, let's just forgive each other because, you know, we were like, it's really easy to forgive when you didn't get punched in the face. It's really easy to be the one breaking up like, no, don't fight. Don't fight y'all. Let's just be. And it's like, stop, like forgive what I might respond different if someone said like had an itemized list. Maybe I'd feel better if someone said, forgive your next door neighbor for being a misogynistic, racist, sexist pig. Right. They didn't mean it. Right. I think that, you know, that's a really good point. I think part of this, you know, you and I have talked about this offline, just around the fact that it's more of the, I'm still in this space of not understanding how people are falling on how people are deciding who they vote for and deciding against other human beings. Or that's, that is the impression I have now, obviously their impression being a supporter of Trump is different and they have their reasons. But I was actually talking to one of my family members and I just said, you know, I would have loved to post and I still would love to post on Facebook, but I don't get involved in any of those reindeer games. Um, Post on Facebook, just, Please tell me why. Tell me what it is about Trump that is so magnificent or what he has done that's so magnificent because I can't see it. Well, now I was thinking about it the other day too, like like trying to pull it out because 
talking about mental wellness, you kind of, I think we're both trying to wrap our head around it. Like, I, part of it, I think for, again, for those of us in this work, we know we have to confront these people and it's not really confront, but we're going to have these people in our classes and at the companies that we work for. And we're going to have to potentially confront some of these issues and feelings as we're trying to help people become more inclusive. Um, I just feel like I was like, well, he didn't send us to war. The sad thing is that he made us really hate everyone. And, but, and then I was like, okay, but we didn't actually go to war. He didn't pull any people out. And it's like, God, it's been four years because we've been at war since 2001 mm-hmm. for 19, you know, pert near 20 years. Yeah. So maybe that's something. Right. Absolutely. He did give us all, I don't think another president, even though it was because of COVID, I can't imagine any of the past presidents saying, let's give them all money because they're not going to have any. I can't imagine another president doing that. Even though okay. he gave like, you know, people who millionaires more millions that they kept for themselves instead of giving to their businesses. I just, you know, it's hard, but he did do that. Okay. Um, let me Google it. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> Two things. He did not create a new war and he, yeah. he did sign a stimulus package, but only one because $1,200 will cover you from March until December. You'll and be fine. He, <laughs> the first thing that comes up is how Trump took the middle class to the cleaners. Maybe I shouldn't read that one. <laughs> I don't know if that will support your <laughs> no. defense of Trump. And I know it's not even a defense of Trump. I, I think there are things that, yes, to your point, there are things that you could say, yes, he did participate or he did, you know, support or whatever. And I'm sure if we had someone on here who was a Trump oh, fan, maybe they wait. could come up. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What Unemployment benefits were expanded, restrictions on evictions from homes, student loan payment relief. Okay. So these are all COVID, post-COVID. But it's kind of funny because um, the courts are deciding if this is <laughs> constitutional or not. Right. What are they going to do? Well, so this is, I think, the conversation that so many of us had was like for rent, you know, rent relief and for folks that are renters, there was this, okay, you will not be um, evicted. That in, in theory, that is great. That is a very supportive. But then for those homeowners who have renters in their home, now they're in a bind because they're having to pay a mortgage, an additional mortgage. So it is that should we call, I know we had the trickle down relief. So maybe this is the trickle up situation of, you know, how does this impact people who are renting out second homes and things like that as money-making endeavors, um, how they now are kind of in a bind because of that. But I also, um, I'm trying to think of like what else I've heard from folks that he has done 
Um, I know there was, and I don't know the details of this, but I think there was a whole um, executive order signed around um, the investigation of missing Indigenous women. Mm -hmm. So it, there are some efforts underway that were not prior, were not underway before him. He did sign off on that. Um, the issue is, though, there's always a, the, the thing is, I think if he didn't promote hate so much that somebody had to lose in order for someone to win, it wouldn't feel so bad. Like the right. stuff of, of course, we want to bring more jobs in America. Of course, it's great you gave tax cuts when people like did manufacturing here in the country, but you didn't have to like also ban China from coming and also, you know, give people taxes for doing all of these other things. Like you don't have to hurt anybody in the process of trying to help people. And I think the world has kind of gotten to that where it has to be somebody loses in order for us to win. And that's why I think America started to wake up and some of the things that he's done really has been more effective around international policy and some of the things that are so bad and we're like no 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 no, you can't just do that like the muslim ban it's hard to be like oh it's good that you you, you we can't be happy that you reduced h1b visas from hiring foreign people coming to the united states and and stop that because the result is not having the innovation and you have to, you don't have to hate these people, even though it gave jobs back to the United States. Like, I don't, I think it's because of not having a life in politics of understanding the overall impact to the rest of the world. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Does that make yeah. sense? Absolutely. And I think there is definitely a feeling of, I think you're spot on. It is the, there's no win-win, it's win-lose. There has to be a loser and they have, you know, and he has to be the winner. And, and that's such an unfortunate place as a leader. That's like the least effective method to be a leader. You know, like you, you want it to be a win-win situation for everyone involved in the conversation. So it is a, it's a shame, honestly, because I think that some of the things he talked about with like bringing jobs back to the US and some of the things that he did decide to do, yes, on the short term, great, that's awesome, We're, that's wonderful. But on a long-term perspective, like what is the impact later and what are the things that we're not gonna be able to, as you mentioned, innovate on? Um, it, like, it's so funny because I think for so many folks, it's okay, if you're gonna cut off these H1, and one visas, then you need to also bolster education and make sure that we have schools that are actually teaching children and college students and whoever that innovation is so important to drive our success in the future. I am also like, and I've had this conversation with multiple, you know, family members that I'm from Ohio. So in the 80s, and you know, we were leaving Ohio to move to Arizona because of the fact that like Akron was basically shutting down. All the factories were shutting down. All of these different things were shutting down. 
housing prices were nothing. It was a horrible time to be in Akron and, you know, in Ohio surrounding some of these different topics. And it's fascinating to me because it's the whole concept around, are we educating folks to learn new skills? Are we reskilling them when we are closing down these factories, when we are moving away from coal into solar, all of those things that we missed that step. And, and it's almost like we're going backwards. And I think that's what so many people are struggling with is, yes, you can talk about clean coal. Yes, you can talk about all these things. But I mean, Arizona is a great example of this where why are we not doing everything we can to advance solar power? When he's talking about, you know, wind power and it's, you know, oh, hey, no, that doesn't work if it's not windy. Like just the <laughs> complete lack of understanding, but also the complete willful ignorance. That's what I was going to say. That's where That's I how we handled money. Like we don't have the money to give everybody whatever a thousand bucks. We just and he's like, whatever, I'm just making it up. We're just going to do it. Just print more is his says a lot about him as a person just his lack of respect for for money i think some of the things that he did we aren't gonna realize that were benefits because they were overshadowed by negativity mm -hmm. um and i think some of the things we aren't gonna notice how bad they were because so like things that happen to the environment and things with foreign policy we aren't gonna notice initially the impact it takes so much to get back to do that um, to expect that Kamala and um, Biden are going to be able to do all of those things, reverse all those executive executive orders. I mean, it, it, the Georgia primary, where that's why, and I think that's another reason why we all feel kind of not great is because it isn't done, it isn't right. over. We, I mean, come on, Biden's going to be president. Okay, it's not going to be great, but he won't be able to do anything you know if we have the house and the senate that would be great then we can do things but we're all waiting on georgia mm -hmm. and we don't know what's going to happen whether he can fix any of the wrongs is going to be heavily dependent on that well and i also think it's like every other president and i mean i know many people talk about this all the time that you're actually you're inheriting whatever the last president did good and bad and so, you know, some of the benefits that we saw with the Trump administration, was it really him or was it something that Obama had already put in place that was now, you know, coming to fruition? And it will be the same thing with, you know, did the things that he, that Trump did, will they benefit or harm Biden and, and Harris as they proceed into their leadership? And, and I think it's, it's going to be both sides. It's, but I agree with you that without the power of the House and the Senate, how are they going to get anything done? And I mean, it's just, it will be difficult at best. But I think that was also the same situation that Obama was in where he didn't have the control. And so it was one of those things that, yeah, he couldn't get a lot of stuff done, which was then kind of made fun of or was something that was used against him later. Sure. So but I, I want to go back to the how's everybody doing and kind of the you know what this the toll that it has taken because i think you know for so many of us in you know in 2016 and leading up to the election of president trump 
there were so many emotions between, you know, I can't talk to my family members about this, or I am losing friends over this, that we heard from so many people and the stress of that, the mental, the taxing, uh, you know, the, the mental taxing power of all of that. And then, you know, for the last four years, I think it's continued, but now we're, you know, post-election kind of, and the stress I think has actually increased in a lot of ways because of what we're dealing with, as you mentioned, like Georgia and, you know, and the states that it did take a while to get results. And now the lawsuits have come in and now there's marching in Washington around, oh, it's all a fraud and all of these things that have just been exacerbated by all of the stressors for the last four years. And I just think we're hurting. Yeah. Regardless of what side you're on, it's, there's evidence of, of, of hurting. And I think it's sad because we all have to go on, but there's so many moments where I, it's like, I think I'm going to fall apart. I think that's an actual quote from a text that I sent you. Like, I can't do this today. I right. cannot do this. I think I'm falling apart. Um, for, for me, I know a lot of it was, you know, family issues, but then realizing that I've been holding my breath for so long. And I think that's why we're seeing such a swing of the pendulum because so many people were like, it's like, it wasn't just, I can't just speak my opinion. It's, you know, it's, you can hurt me and nobody cares me black woman and nobody's going to care about that. Um, so you have to be really careful about how you are. And I think people are still feeling that unsafe. It's a safety issue. Um, and I think especially during the election, because people knew it was so divisive, you don't know. It's kind of like you want to watch your back and it and it shouldn't be like that. It's not Republicans versus Democrats. It's really hardcore Trumper people versus everybody else who's not. Doesn't feel that extreme way, which is can be in both parties. Um, but I don't, I think that affects your work because we also know that what's leading most people's work is still going to be, you know, white men. We know the percentage that supported Trump. Those are the places where you have to go. And what do you do with that information? And, and how are we going to be able to move it forward? You know, I think for those of us in diversity and inclusion work, we're excited that we know that they won't they're going to reverse it if any of the executive orders they are not going to prevent people from having diversity training. Um, so from that point, but it's like who I'm nervous about quacks coming up everywhere or people going people who would call themselves people who work in diversity that are just more angry and then cause more divisiveness. I'm worried about that. Yeah. What are you worried about? You ain't got nothing to worry about Katie. Just kidding. <laughs> Sunshine and rainbows. Um, for me, it's the, I, I think you said something that's so spot on, like you felt like you have been holding your breath for so long. And I think that's also been how so many of us have felt. Um, it's, it's holding your breath because it's, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? On election night, I, I think so many of us, it was like, oh my goodness gracious, how are we here? How are we still so divided as a nation? But I also think it's the holding your breath of, I'll give you a great example. So I host a holiday party every year for a, a group of friends. And 
a few of them have asked me about, oh, hey, are you doing it this year? And A, it's the COVID piece, so I don't know if I'm going to host. But then the second piece is I don't know how comfortable I am being around certain people because of the fact that we have we hold such varying beliefs on politics. But it's not just politics, really. It's really, in my mind, it's a little bit of that humanity piece that you're going to choose money, you're going to choose this person. Like, what is the price? What's the tipping point? when you just go, you know, someone isn't a good person and they're doing things that are harming other people. And for that, I am not, I can't accept you as a friend or I can't continue our friendship. That's, I think the part where, that I struggle with a lot is the, how do you separate the two? Can you separate the two? And, and you're right. I mean, there are so many things that I don't have to worry about and I haven't had to worry about because I am a white woman, but there's also this, complete um, worry and concern over friends of mine who are people of color and who have been so impacted that it's also the what's going to happen next, because I don't think that electing Joe Biden is the be all cure all in any way, shape or form. And I think there's still a lot of things that we need to solve within this country because of what Trump has uncovered. Like, I know we've talked about this a little bit before of quite honestly, like Trump has kind of pulled back the curtain to say, actually, no, all these people are still complete racist and they're totally fine with some of these behaviors and, and, and not understanding. I, I don't even know if I'm making sense right now, but it's like the, now that we know we can't unknow that, that people believe these things or feel this certain way. I, I think it's funny, well, not funny, haha, but kind of funny, strange, but maybe it is funny, haha, that I think for me, I see a lot of my white friends going through this and like, I feel like the black community, like we've already knew this. <laughs> it's funny for so many people being like, oh, I knew they didn't have a lot of black friends or a lot of experiences and they weren't very, you know, you know, aware, culturally aware of other groups. I didn't know they were like a full-on racist. It just reminds me of, like, you know how when we were starting to see more in the news, uh, more black men getting shot and people were like, gasp, I didn't know this was happening. And we were like, yeah, this has been happening the whole time. It feels like the same thing just on a political level where people are like, gasp, I didn't know 55% of white women were racist and everyone else is going, yeah. Yeah, we've mm -hmm. been telling you that for a really long time. And I feel like people are just now putting all the pieces together because he was just so overtly, a lot of these um, groups have been just so overtly racist and hateful. Yeah. Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio, but my life? Well, our goal on the podcast Inside the Street, hosted by Wall Street analyst Sela Shifre Partners, is to provide public investors and young professionals with a deeper understanding of the mechanics that drive those major headlines. 
And what better way to dive into these mechanics than hosting Wall Street analysts themselves to discuss the newest trends in finance firsthand? Well, on our show, we bring you real perspectives from the front line. Hearing these analysts give commentary has made our listeners much more well-versed on the financial markets. This approach to discussion allows our listeners to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions. So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you find your podcasts. And I know we're... um... The 55%, um, it does, it is a punch in the gut just personally. And I, I can't imagine being in any other group and how that must feel because it is the, at what point are people going to realize that you're actually working against yourself by voting for someone like him and what he is proposing? But um, I just think people hurt. I mean, like we were yeah. talking about earlier and it was like, I had the same feeling that I had like back in fifth grade when I wasn't invited. I almost wasn't invited to Ginger Gilchrist's birthday party. Oh, are we using last names too? Yeah. It's cool. It's not Gilchrist anymore, but. Oh, okay. But everybody who knows that it's. Yeah. Yeah, we are. They know, they know they were all there. I think I almost want to invite all of them to the show. It was a situation. I'm still friends with all of them. Okay online we were all there when she had her birthday party and we were all there when she was told that i couldn't come to the birthday party and it would be very interesting to bring all of these people back like i'm still friends with all of them It'd be very interesting to hear what happened because i ended up going to the birthday party right. right but it still made this thing like why would somebody not like me not because i'm a diva or whatever it's like you don't even know me and i'm a really nice person and we're friends and it, it kind you of feels are a really nice person. Thank you, Katie. But it, it felt like that. That's what ripped the gut out of me last week as I was watching the election where it was like, they really hate us. Yeah. So okay. what do you do with that? It, I think that's the piece. It is the, the decisions that you're making are actually harming other humans. And I need you to pull it together because you cannot start crying right now. <laughs> I've got my finger um I shouldn't say it like that you can absolutely cry if you You're need so to mean. But I need you I need you to pull it together or I'm going to start crying too so I know thank you yeah. um I think that it's just disheartening disheartening like it is it's disheartening and it is also I just don't get it I don't understand and and that that feeling of exclusion that feeling of again this is where I said you know I wanted to post on Facebook like help me understand what is the thing we're so supportive of for him that you decided he was the right choice. Um, I just can't, I just can't put it in my head. And I think for everybody else, it's like, well, what are we going to do? And I think I'm glad, not glad, but it's, I find it under soothing to know that it wasn't just me holding my breath. Maybe I thought that it was, I know you were holding your breath, but I think all of us knew that potentially it was only going to get worse if we had another four years. And how bad was it going to be? Was it going to mm-hmm. be freaking like 1984? Was it going to be like, you know, some weird communist country? Are we going to go to a dictatorship? I mean, it was, it's really like that. Are we going to start having yes. pulling people out of school to be in some like weird, like white nationalist army? Like, I just didn't know how far it was going to go. Yeah. I, uh... I think that's the piece. It is the, like it, I feel much more hopeful this week. And I think like the, the week of the election, 
by Friday, I had like a meeting at, and I think I've already said this to you, I had a meeting at like 3.30 in the afternoon on Friday, and I just sent a note to the, the guy I was supposed to be meeting with, like, I can't, I can't do this today. I, it wasn't even like a, I'm, I mean, I was exhausted, but it was more of the like mental, this is too hard and my stomach hurts and I feel like physically ill. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think, I think we're still there a little bit from the perspective of, we still don't know what, what Trump is actually going to do when he's doing, when he's making these maneuvers and doing these things that are, setting up for a coup i don't even know i don't even know what you'd call it tv show right it's right. like we're all watching it does not seem real like no. what do you mean you're switching people like what are you doing well, none of us know none of us know and I, I mean and i think there's absolutely people that are loyal to him and that is fine and i think the piece that's interesting is to think about the folks that are working in these different government roles and the secret service and you know all of these different places and what their personal beliefs might be and how i mean and obviously they are their duty is to uphold the law and all of these things and so fully support that but what they must be thinking and how they must be feeling about some of this stuff so it just it's just interesting but um i want to close this one out just by asking the question of what is one thing that you're doing for yourself to to be okay to to you know kind of keep your keep yourself whole and safe and secure and mentally well what are the thing and, and maybe it's not one thing maybe it's many things drinking <laughs> um i i've actually been reading a lot and at, at some point and i think i don't know if this is healthy or not stay tuned i'll let you know in a couple of weeks but I'm trying to read these things. And I think part of what happened is our lives, we were all kind of in our head, not perfect, but okay, not acting on these things. And now it's like, no, we really have to do something. We really have to keep these people in the news. We really have to keep engaging people. And so I've been really kind of, um, I've been reading a lot um and looking at the people of of power there was a group that was behind some of like getting people to vote and all of those things are called the colored girls that's what they um are called and so i i bought all a book all of them have written a book i've bought every, every single book about uh rallying people together and kind of having a strategy like i feel like i'm doing what i can i'm doing my part i'm still mm -hmm. a part of common cause which is nonpartisan to make sure that people's right to vote is there and stopping disinformation and misinformation and so that's what i've been doing where it seems like that would be people would think that would be unhealthy to go dig into it but then mm -hmm. i am digging into it and feel like i'm doing something about it instead of sitting back feeling like a victim i'm finding the misinformation and disinformation and sending it in and trying to do something about it and so every time i send a tweet in to say this needs to be reviewed i feel just a little bit better like i maybe mm -hmm. i stop the bleeding just a little bit um but then the other part is actually just letting myself have those moments instead of trying to hold my breath anymore so i just cry i'm not going to cry today because i did really good job on my mascara and on my eyes that's the only thing keeping me together right now maybe i should wear makeup every day and i won't cry but there's I think that. you pretty much look gorgeous though every day oh. so i appreciate that you did your makeup but i also think that you're kind of beautiful all the time so um <laughs> 
Well, that's good. Like, I like that. I like that you're digging in on this information because I think that's part of it too, is that it's the, we can't stop learning and we can't stop digging and we can't stop uncovering the truth. And, and I think, you know, for me, it's been just talking to people that are in the place of, okay, I'm a white person and this is where white people landed on the vote. And how did we get here? And, and what are the things that we can do? And for me, I mean, you know, I'm like a total book nerd and uh, I love the fact that I am. And I've listened to a lot of podcasts and just trying to like absorb in every direction. Um, but then also doing things like taking baths and listening to mellow music in the morning and making sure I'm journaling and making sure I'm physically going out for a walk or a bike ride or whatever it might be. That is the piece that I think for me has kind of been my saving grace because I want to curl up in a ball. And, and you know, you brought up music. It's funny that you can listen to relaxing music. I, I have to listen to the exact opposite, which is why it's like the Jay-Z and Kanye, like of creating this pump up music. And then I feel like I'm ready to go and get that energy to go. Cause I start at a, cause I want to curl into a ball. But then when I hear that kind of music, <laughs> 90s rap, <laughs> I don't know. All of a sudden, I just feel like, okay, I can do this. And I think that's right. what it was in the 90s, maybe because of the way that race relations were in the 90s and where we were. And it was like this music that was like, you have to do something. You have to get into it. You can't just let it go. And so I kind of listen to that. It puts me back in that place. Right. I've also been watching some weird documentaries on Netflix, but we'll talk about that at another time. Um, my babies. I've been hugging my babies and trying to stay strong. I didn't tell you. Both of them have had nightmares about white supremacists coming to kill their mother on two separate instances, both of them. Uh, and so if I, I have to be strong and I have to give them facts, in order for them to feel better and have the understanding and have those things. And I'm pretty sure, you know, I don't want to, I try to take those pieces out. So I'm trying to empower them. And I feel like I have some great little people, even though they're 20 and, and 17, um, is trying to encourage them. They give me hope in the future of trying to get them. They're just really kind, good people. And they're trying to navigate through this world and they have another burden you know well maybe we'll bring them on the show one day they have their own burdens and, and row to hoe as we say in mm -hmm. texas but that it, hugging them makes me feel better that's good i like that yeah all right, so let's wrap this episode. Wrap it up, people. Thank you so much for joining us. Jackie, thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. Thank you for always listening. That's what I'm here for. This has been another episode of the Inclusive AF Podcast. I'm Katie Van Horn. And I'm Jackie Clayton. See you next time. Bye. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. 
Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.